Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his mercy, what? Endures forever. And we, we celebrate the living God because he is worthy of all of our praise and all of our adoration and all of our affections. And so um, the Bible says, um, put on for the spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. Every, see, you, you, better, see uh, you, you gotta learn some secrets, some kingdom secrets. When you feel heavy, putting on the garment of praise means lifting your hands despite what you're in. You're not lifting your hands because of what you're in, but because who's in it with you. Oh, you missed you miss your shout movement right there. You had an opportunity to just let loose. But, but, but if you recognize who's with you within your circumstances and what he's able to do to transform you and change you despite of what you're going through, uh, you can put on the garment of praise and give him honor, and you can give him glory, and you can give him praise. You can give him praise. Yes, you can. Uh, what an honor it is to gather with the saints. Um, I'm just getting back from a few weeks of just, just r and I, I wasn't going to take off until August, and um, the elders were like, Pastor, you haven't taken off in a long time. You need to go ahead and take a couple weeks. And I was like, well, I'm taking off in August. They was like, can you please just take off two weeks? And I was like, it's going to take one week to shut down and one week to actually rest. And so I said, all right. So, um, and so I took some time and me and my wife had some time. Uh, I, I, um, um, I, I didn't realize that I now like urban, I mean, I like rural areas. Like, dang, I don't know what happened to me. Like, you know, I'm urban to the core, man. I went on the, 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 the you know, where they had the wheat in the field blowing like this and you know, the wife hair flowing in the thing, and we, you know, we just out there with raccoons and all kinds of stuff, and, and man, uh, wildcats and coyotes, and enjoy a little bit of time of R&R, and thankful for the great God for all of his mercy. Just a few things before we dive in. Um, you, um, some of you all have gotten on me over the years, over the, like, Pastor, when you're somewhere, please, can you let us know when you're going, and that type of thing, and so as things come up, I don't, I don't overwhelm you guys with going everywhere with me, but there are a couple of things that I am asking some of the men to come to. Men, um, on this, uh, this next June, we're going to Newark. It's going to be a great time uh, to come alongside this church and to just uh, minister there with them and just uh, do a men's breakfast with them. So I'm asking some men to come with me. Why don't you come hang with me? Sign up right there on the back table, and we can go and hang out uh, just that Saturday morning. We'll be right back to Philly. Boom. Be back for a Sunday morning gathering. And then uh, Christian Stronghold has asked me to preach uh, the Sunday afternoon service um, we'll, be, we'll be announcing that um, uh, pretty soon, but um, historic to me, legend in the city. Uh, one, of the, one of the oldest living guys in the city who's planted a church 40 years ago, Pastor Willie Richardson, uh, one of my, one, one of, one of my uh, missiological heroes. He's done so many different things in this city to help people from counseling and to urban family ministry and all different types of things. And so, and, and some of you have come from there, uh, and he knows about that, and we talked about it, um, y'all being here, amen. And um, he said he's okay with it, um, and I said amen. And I said, thank you, Pastor. And so we and him get together, and I just shoot all kinds of questions to him since he planted a church 60 years ago, and I planted one 10 years ago. So maybe he got something to tell me, so I spent some time with him. And so I'll be preaching for him uh, and hanging out there. And so I'd love for everybody to come. I'd love for the choir to come, and let's rock out for Jesus, Amen. And so, and so let's, let's go ahead and do that. I'm excited that next Sunday um, is another historic time for us. We'll be planting our, 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 our fourth and fifth church. And I'm excited about this opportunity, um, if you will. At, well, actually, the third and fourth, rather. And we're excited about I'm, I'm going ahead. But, um, and so, so we're planting a church in Bed-Stuyvesant, or a.k.a. Bed-Stuy section of Brooklyn, New York. 
um, uh, now Pastor uh, Brandon Watts uh, is going there, and Pastor Tommy Forster will be going to South Central LA, and we will be commissioning them next Sunday. So they will do their farewell messages next week. Then we're going to lay hands on us. So we need you here, and we need you praying, hands stretched. And as a church, elders don't send churches. Churches send churches. Amen. Churches plant churches. And so we're, if you don't know us by now, we're church planting churches. So we believe in planting churches where nobody wants to go, but where God is at work. Amen. We, we want to be like Star Trek. We want to boldly go where no man has gone before. Amen. And so, and so, and so we want to, we want to see God uh, uh, birth, renewing communities in very, very powerful places. Many of you know about Epiphany Camden. They're doing extremely well. We got Restoration Germantown. They're doing extremely well. We play the church in downtown Atlanta. They're doing extremely well. And so we believe in God for more and more and more and more churches to play. Let me just say something. One church can't reach one city. Can't reach them all. So the, 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 the Acts teaches us about church planting churches who are healthy and birthing babies to give away your best. And that's what God calls us to do. Amen. So let's let's keep that forward thinking within our mind as we stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet, get into our text for the day. Um, we'll be doing God Chasers after next Sunday. God, I keep saying that. God, that is a good title. But um, I'm going to do uh, we're going to we're going to start a new series. Uh, God, the story changer. Well, we're going to talk about how God interrupts lives and changes the trajectory of your. I mean, I don't know if you know it or not, but when you get saved, that's an interruption. That, that's an interruption. Somebody should have said amen right there. That, that's, that's an interruption. And what God loves to do is to change stories. And he specializes in that. So we're going to do a precursor to that today. This is kind of like the preamble, if you will, to that idea today in John chapter 5. If you could turn there, we'll be reading from the ESV Bible. If you have one different, Dennis, we don't mind for you reading, but if just for unison's sake, if you could read off the board with us, if you can see it, we make it nice and big. If not, put on your reading glasses and let's go. I'll read verse 1 with you, and you keep on going. That's our tradition here. Let's do it. Verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Keep going. Now there is in Jerusalem a sheep gate Mm-hmm. 
Amen. Amen. For this time uh, in this preamble or precursor to uh, God, the story changer, I want to tag this text. Jesus, the great physician, Jesus, the great physician. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you and we honor you for your power as the greatest doctor in the universe. And God, we pray. We know that here many of us have had ailments for quite some time. And uh, not just physical ones, but emotional ones and, and, and spiritual ones. And we're praying today and believing you, God, that you're going to run through this place like hot fire and change lives and interrupt trajectories and interrupt journeys and challenge where we are so that we can be more than where we are. You not just meet us where we are just to stay, for us to stay there, but you meet us where we are to take us beyond where we are. And so, God, as you do this, will you uh, open up our eyes to see the glory of your majesty in the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so, God, in order for this to work, you have to move by power. You have to send that oil that makes preaching easy. So, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. And uh, Lord God, help us not to just be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, but God, help us and turn us into effectual doers. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. 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 You may be seated. Jesus, the great physician. Um, uh, uh, As I think about this passage, I think about the years past when I um, would go to the doctor um, or, or had a checkup, I, I, I used to, you know, I used to be like, cool, let's, let's roll, you know. I, I don't know about it when you was in the teenage years and, you know what I'm saying, in 20s and 30s, you know. But something happened when you hit 40. You know, you get a little, you, you're not as excited to go to the doctor because you walk up the steps and stuff hurting that you ain't never heard of before. Um, I, you just don't know. And so you, 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 you don't necessarily, so you ever, you ever had some symptoms or something? And you know you need to go to the doctor, but you're afraid of the diagnosis that you're going to get. So you avoid it as long as you can. But but, but not knowing that that, that not facing it, it, you can you can worsen where you actually are and, 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 and not get what is needed in order to be made whole or even to face an issue that may be hard, but that can get treatment. Many of us as believers, we like running from God's treatment. Uh, God is waiting open wide to treat us and deal with us, but we're afraid to face us. We're afraid to face the reality of where we are. Now, don't look at me like everything's together in your life. Don't put your nose up in the air too quick because everybody in here got something that God needs to deal with you on. Everybody in here got, got issues in your soul. Don't look at me with your religious nose all up and you know what I'm saying? You, you got issues that need comprehensive peace spoken to it. And so, and, so, and, so, and so all of us are here, people with ailments that are racking our body and challenging our souls that we need to allow the great physician to get to. And so we find ourselves in one of the Gospels, and this Gospel is not a part of the Synoptic Gospels, but he plays a great role in laying out uh, the juice of who Jesus Christ is. Um, we see in the book of Matthew that Jesus Christ by Matthew is presented uh, as the King of Israel, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In, 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 in Mark, he's presented as the suffering servant in 
in Luke, he's presented powerfully as the son of man and the great physician. But then we come to John who um, adds to the flavor of what they were bringing and he presents Jesus Christ as God Almighty. In other words, he presents him as God come in the flesh. In other words, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Then later on, it says, and the word became flesh and skeneoed among us and we beheld his glory. Glory as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. And no one has seen God at any time except for the only begotten God that's in the bosom of the father. So what we see is, is we see something different. The synoptics present Jesus from his birth to his cosmic rule. But, 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 but John does something different. He skips the birth narrative and he goes back further than the birth narrative and talk about in the beginning who was there. In other words, what, what he wants to do is he wants to present something to you that's bigger than you just looking at his birth. He looks at his pre-birth when he was standing on cosmic nothingness with God the Father and God the Spirit and they spoke into nothing and something had to obey. In other words, John wants you to see and John wants you to get your mind on the fact that the one he wants you to encounter is the one that always existed. The one who can, who can come. If, if God can speak into nothing and nothing has to say, I'm coming into existence because you said so. If your little something that exists, that's a mess. How in the world do you think he can't speak into your situation and change your situation? He can change you. He can, he can come in. One, do you know one word from God can shift the atmosphere of your life? Do you know that one word from God can change you over and over? Do you know that one word, matter of fact, a thought from God, a wink from God, a tap from God, a shimmy from God. If God can do it, nobody else can. Yeah. So we come, so we come, to, we come to this booming passage. This seems weird, family. When you look at this passage, it's weird. But it's powerful, right? Um, um, you, you, you see something powerful, uh, which brings me to my first point. If you're going to recognize that Jesus is a great physician, number one, you got to recognize that, listen to this, Jesus passes by the stubbornly clean for the admittedly dirty. He passes by those who are stubbornly clean for those who are admittedly dirty. Now, now, now look at the verse. It says after this. Somebody say after this. Now, you got to recognize that Jesus, that John is utilizing after this as a signal to something that happened before that's going to be different than what comes after. Now, in chapter four, if you remember, he talked to a Samaritan woman. So he dealt with a woman that was a half breed who responded to Jesus. You also see in the latter part of this chapter, you see him dealing with an official son. And he said, Jesus, if you just speak the word, my, my, my young going to be healed. You understand? So, 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 so unbelievers are, are, are more, are, 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 these people in broken circumstances are more apt to be responsive because they know their need for the Lord. Yes. See, the problem with many of us is we don't know our need for the Lord. Yes. <clears throat> and see, 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 but, but, but y'all think I'm not in the text. So look at what it says. It says, after this, uh, there was a feast in Uh, What does it say? In Jerusalem. Look at what it says. It says, and there was a feast of Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. What I like about this is it says there was a feast, but it didn't say Jesus went to the feast. It said he went to Jerusalem. In in other words, in other words, in other words, in the midst of the feast, you got to understand this is like NBA All-Star Weekend. You're going to go in there, or, or, or it's the Olympics, or if they are in town, you're going to go and enjoy that. So in this time period, there would be a swelling in Jerusalem 
from about 20,000 people to a quarter of a million people during the festivals. And so people would normally go and get involved in the festivals, but Jesus didn't go up for the festival. He went up for something else. Uh, that, that's what I, Jesus isn't impressed with big gatherings. He, he, he's, not impressed, he's not impressed with religious gatherings without him at the center. And so many times he'll bypass the religious gathering for the broken needy. <laughs> and so look at what it says here in the text. I'm still in the text. He says, he says now there, was, there, there, uh, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda or house of divine mercy. It says, which has five uh, 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 roofed uh, uh, colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lamed, and paralyzed. So, so, so what you see here is during this time when there were feasts, these colonnades were, was where all of the blind and the lame and the paralyzed hung out all the time. Now, what they would do is the rich and those who come in, who are religious, would come in to wash their animals off in that pool before they went in and sacrificed them. And so what would happen is, is they would come near the broken, but they, would, they only were concerned about their religion. So they wouldn't deal with messy people because it would make them unclean. So instead of becoming unclean ceremonially, they wanted to clean, they wanted to deal with their animal and take them inside. Now you got to understand the atmosphere out here. This is a messy atmosphere because everybody out here um, did not move too much because they had a lot of issues. And so there was, this smelled like, a, 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 I mean, a very, very broken place because many of these people went to the bathroom around there. And then when the sheep got washed off, their, 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 whatever was on them got into that pool. So you got them around in the midst of this stenchy atmosphere of mess of people who have been sitting here for quite some time in the midst of a mess. Now you would think that Jesus had more, uh, sanit he was more sanitized than to go among these people. Um, you would think Jesus would go in there with all of the people who are really religious and are making these sacrifices here and they're going in there and they're going to worship the living God. But, but, but what's crazy about that is, 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 that, is that God challenges us uh, to not allow our religiosity to get in the way of our need. So what I like about Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ bypassed the, ga the gathering for the gully. He, he so, so what he does is, is Jesus comes to Jerusalem and goes into the stenchy atmosphere. Now, now I like the fact that Jesus isn't, doesn't mind going dirty places. Now, some of y'all are looking at me funny because you don't think you're dirty. You don't think you were trifling. But in all reality, to come and get you, Jesus had to come into a lot of mess to come get you. <laughs> Jesus will bypass those who look clean for those who are really dirty. Now, 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 all, now, anybody can clean themselves up and still be dirty because when you die, you're just dressed up dirt. You can embalm them. You can put makeup on them. You can put a wig on them. You can put a, you can put a double-breasted, skinny, um, uh, um, uh, a bespoke suit on them with some gaiters or some wingtips or some ostrich skins with some sock game on, a Rolex, and a pinky ring. But at the end of the day, they're still dressed up dirt. And so, and so, so here, there's some people that recognize early that they're already dirt. Help me today, God. 
In other words, in other words, the blessing of, of, of this is you supposed to realize you're dirt before you die. Because until you realize you dirt, God won't work. And so, and, so, and so we see here powerfully in this passage, what God goes to the, this is supposed to be the place of divine mercy. Mercy is where you don't get what you deserve. But people still walk into the house of divine mercy believing that they deserve something. See, 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 help me today. See, if you recognize, see, you got to recognize in order for the great physician to heal you, you got to admit something's wrong with you. You can say all day, I'm the head and not the tail and all of that. You can say, I got, they, the doctor said I got cancer, but I don't receive that right now in the name of Jesus. Hold on, you got cancer. You don't get healed by acting like you don't have it. Y'all looking at me funny. Oh, I, 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 don't, have, I don't have issues. And I, okay, well, don't ask him to heal you. Why are you believing him for something you don't have? God doesn't heal people who don't say they need healing. The problem with too many of us, we're trying to ignore where we are rather than face where we are. Oh, y'all got quiet on me on this part, but I'm just trying to help somebody out today that the way you get changed is realizing the necessity of what you, where you are and what you need God to do for you. And so, and so, so God, God, see, 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 religious people act like something, nothing's wrong with them. Religious people ignore the stench of their soul. Religious people don't see their pride. Religious people don't see their licentiousness. Religious people don't see their greed. Religious people don't see their pride. Religious people don't see their messed up mouth. Religious people don't see how much. But people who are in the knowledge of the necessity of their need for change open up their mouths and say, God, I'm a mess. God, I'm a mess. God, I'm a mess. And I'm in desperate. That's the reality of where I am. I'm not going to speak where I'm not. I'm going to tell you where I am so you can speak me into where I need to be. So he goes up to the feast and he goes up to the sheep gate in the, in the stinky place. In the stinky place. Now, 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 what's weird about this passage, family of God, it was very, very weird. This guy has been, it says... And this multitude of invalids lay blind, lame, and paralyzed. And it says one man. Somebody say one man. One man. Now, it's a lot of people out there, though. But I like the fact that in the midst of a mess, God can see one person. Y'all yeah. oh, ought to help me right there. See, 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 I'm so glad that God saw me. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I, I ain't mad at nobody else, but I'm so glad that in the crowd of the stench, that God can choose me out of the See, 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 so, help me today. I like the fact that Jesus can zoom lens and focus on a person in the midst of crowd. How many of you are glad today that God, in the midst of all of the folk that was around you, so one man, so one woman, and he decided that he was going to come over and get you in the midst of all of that. All of that. He came and got you. He didn't, he didn't clean the mess up and come got you. He let the mess stay the same to take you out of it so that you wouldn't be the same and so that you can look at the mess and know that it was a mess. <laughs> Somebody ought to help me today. And so I, lo I love the fact that he does this. And the Bible says Jesus saw him. I like that. That he had been an invalid for 30 years. Now, some scholars, a couple of them, I think they overstate this. Gnosko doesn't necessarily mean he saw divinely. 
I think he just saw him and he was like, dang. Money been in this for a long time. Oh, y'all looking at me funny. You ever seen somebody like back in high school, they was fine. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and you, this is before Facebook and all of that. In fact, you say, oh man, you're looking at the yearbook like they're going to be there. I'm going to start doing jumping jacks, you know what I'm saying? You're doing, you're doing lunges and everything, you know, two-a-days, trying to get fine so that you can suck in your gut a little bit and cacao and button that suit up you couldn't get in in 30 years, right? And you go in there and you're like, whoa! I ain't had to, I was good enough before I did. <laughs> you ever seen somebody that was such a mess, you knew it took some work for them to get that messed up? See, Jesus saw him as like, dang, money is tore up from the floor up. He sees him and he's like, man, he's been working on this for a minute, right? Now, next point, I got to move. Um, Jesus wants more for us than we want for ourselves. I mean, let me, let me, let's break that. Jesus wants more for us than we want for ourselves. Look at what he says here. Look, look check it out. It says, it says, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. He said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, that's weird. Okay. Y- y'all got to under, y'all got like, because you may have read this before, you may not see the shock value in it. He didn't come up to him and say, hey, what's up, man? Some love. My name is Jesus. Came from heaven to earth to come save some souls. What's your name? Okay, man, I'm from Nazareth. Where you from? He didn't do none of that. You know what I'm saying? What's your mama's name? Who, you know, what's your cut? He asked him, he comes up to him and cuts to the chase. He says, do you want to be healed? King James says, do you want to be made well? Now, now, now let, let, me, let me break a couple of things down here. Now, the word healed here is the word, it's hygienist where we get our word hygiene from. So you gotta recognize Jesus, when he's talking about this health, talking about, it's talking about comprehensive wholeness. He's not just talking about the symptom of paralyzation. See, you gotta recognize when Jesus asks you a question, he's not asking you that question. If I could write a, my next book, if I could write my next book, I would write it on because it's 135 questions Jesus asked in the Gospels. I wish I could do a devotional on all the questions of Jesus. Because his questions are really, really deep. When, when, when he asks a question, he's asking something behind what he's asking you. And, and it's almost weird that he would ask a guy that's been 38 years in a condition, do you want to be made well? In other words, he's going to automatically think of his paralysis, but when Jesus heals, he's thinking about more than what's the outward sign of your brokenness. When God heals, he doesn't just heal your outside, he, he heals all of you. Help me today. When God, when God wants to be at work in you, he wants to be in work in all of you. He's not just being at work in a piece of you. He wants to get into work into you. Many of you, under the sound of my voice, don't just need a blessing, you need him. See, 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 many of us are, are, are concerned with just our symptoms being dealt with. But the question is, Jesus asked the obvious, do you want to be made well? Now, you got to understand, that's a very, very good question. Because healing comes with responsibility. Help me. 
In, in other words, for him to get healed, that would mean a whole lot of things for his life that hasn't happened before. Because he's been sitting here for quite some time, but he's been in this predicament for 38 years. And so he's probably getting alms. In our day, it would be uh, the, uh, uh, the, um, the, the, the equivalent of getting uh, help from uh, people like people who are handicapped or disabled today would get from the government. It was just beautiful. But what he tells him in a powerful way here, he challenges him. He says, do you want to be made well for real, for real? Do you want to deal with everything that it would take for you to no longer be like this? In other words, he would have to get a job. Wow. So that means he like, now do I, now, let me see, do I want healing now? Let me see. Because healing gonna mean I have to deal with people. Now you gotta understand, he hasn't been out of this stench in quite a while. So to get healed means he has to experience fresh air again. See, see, when you get healed and you see how messy it was, you, you, you're, he, being healed can be scary yes, yes. because you'll see how backed up your life has been. Yes. And he says he's been in this predicament for 38 years. And in being in that predicament for 38 years, that means he's known nothing but paralysis. And that's many of us. Many of us have known nothing but paralysis. Many of us have known nothing in our soul but brokenness. Many of us have known nothing but that. And God is calling you to be scared no more of what newness of life would mean for you. What transformation would mean for you. What healing would mean for you. So he said, don't fear what I'm asking you to do. Because what's powerful about this is Jesus didn't wait till he got it right. He met him in his lack of rightness. And so he said, do you, wanna, do, you, do you want this? Yeah. And you would think money would be like, yeah, right? But then he does something interesting. He begins to go on an ontological treatise. Um, he says, sir, I have no one. Um, see, he says, sir, I, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going... And someone steps in before me. He said, and basically he said, you see, God, you be upgrading other people. You give them blessings before me. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's my turn in line, but somebody, the, pro the prophet told me it was my turn, but then it was somebody else's turn. I know nobody in here that ever experienced that. You know where the prophet, prophet lied over you and told you your season was coming, but it still hadn't come yet. Um, um, I, I, um, but but what, he's, what he's experiencing is he said, someone always gets blessed ahead of me. And so I've lost the will to want God to intervene because I've gotten used to being in this circumstance because I've gotten used to God leaving me here. And so don't act like God is concerned now after all this time. You ever been in a place where God is offering you newness, but you don't really believe him? You know, you're like, I don't really believe you. I don't really believe you're going to change anything. And, and so, but, but, but Jesus, Jesus, he didn't know who was standing in front of him. And so I like what happens next. What I like what happens next <coughs> is Jesus challenges his dysfunction by giving him an opportunity immediately. He says something powerful, and he says it very, very brief, and it's very, very simple. He says, get up, take your bed, and walk. Now, 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 now understand what's going on here. Jesus Christ only said two things to him. Do you want to be healed? Then secondly, he says, get up, take up your bed, and walk. In other words, the opportunity has now been made available. 
Now you have to understand, <laughs> Jesus speaking this word is a real word of transformation for him. So in order for the healing to be enacted, he has to start moving. Now, in, in other words, he has to take the this, this, this step of Christ has already made it available. Now, it's up to him to respond by faith to the availability. Now, you have to understand because he's been paralyzed, his muscles are no longer dense. They have gotten small. And so, in other words, he has to believe in the midst of a lack of muscular strength that God is able to help him to stand up. That means the healing doesn't come until he decides he's going to respond to God's word. Help me today. <clears throat> so, so, that, so that means, as he, I mean, you got to understand, he, has, he hasn't moved these body parts in a while. And so I don't know if his arms were mobile. I don't know what he was able to do. It just says we can assume that it was at least the waist down. And so that means that he began to move. And, and, and so spiritually what had to happen on a level to get him to stand up is that God had to supernaturally, as he began to take a step, make his muscles grow in a way that they hadn't grown in 38 years. Help me today. Some stuff God ain't going to do until you respond to what he said. Help me today. So God ain't going to strengthen you until you take a step and moving toward, not you taking a step first, then he move. He's already moved. He's waiting for you to move in what he's told you to already do. Now he tells him to get up. Now get up is enough. But then God, see God, when he does something in your life, he wants to do it overwhelmingly crazy. So what he tells him, he's first he tells him, get up. That means stand up. Boom. You got some strength to stand up. But then he shows up. He says, take up what you were laying on and walk. Hold on. Now, you got to understand, someone would have had to go through physical therapy. See, y'all don't, y'all don't, see, read this text. He, he tells him, the thing that you were laying, pick up your hammock. Pick up your lawn chair that you've been laying on, and I want you to carry it, and then I'm not only going to heal you, but I'm going to give you the ability to walk without help. That means immediately after 38 years, no longer, not only is his muscles there, but now he's able to walk around. Now you got to understand, he's walking around with the very thing that he used to lay on. Help me today. In other words, when God heals you, he wants everybody to know it. You ever seen somebody around the neighborhood, uh, Junebug or Boo Boo and them on the block? You know what I'm saying? That everybody know, oh, he's just like that, let's just love on him. And, and he's the known dude that's messed up on the block. But, but, but what if that, that, that dude that you know off from the block, God intervened in his life and you saw him in his right mind? Just walking around like this. You say, what's up? Oh, man, Jesus healed, healed me and I'm footy. That, that would blow your mind that you've grown up seeing this person in this place. And now they've had one encounter with Jesus and God spoke one word to them. And now their lives are totally different. I'm not talking to Boo Boo. I'm not talking to Junebug. And I'm not talking about homie in the text. God is talking to you. God is talking to you that it's time for you to get up, take up what you've been leaning on by faith, and show that you no longer lean on it, but you lean on me. See, 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 now you're out of the excuse barn. Because, because now, because God, God is always saying to me, saying to us, all of us, do you want this to change? Do you want your life to change? And you have a daily decision as a believer because your will has been taken out of bondage by the gospel to want your life to be absolutely different. 
He has to give an opportunity. And now what happens in the text is you're going to always have religious haterade. Religious, see the the religious, why are you walking around? Who healed you? Not, wow, God healed you. (laughs) See, 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 the religious are always bothered by the lack of intricacy of their involvement in your affairs. And so, and so because they weren't a part of it and it wasn't sanctioned by their mercies, by their law, they don't want to see you different. They just want to see you go through them to be different. In other words, they want you to be different on their terms, not God's terms. Somebody ought to holler back at you, boy, because what happens, what happens is, is everybody ain't going to be glad that you get healed. Especially the people that shared your brokenness. Oh, oh, because because they depend on you being broken like them. And as long as you broken, they can stay in their state. But if God can heal you, then he can do it to them. And so it scares them out of their cave. Because God was making Israel look at Israel. In other words, he was comparing the fact in the earlier chapters, that Gentiles had more faith than those who were in the kingdom. And they were more responsive. And really, he's pointing to the paralysis of the nation of Israel in this passage. He says, you as a nation are paralyzed and don't want to be made well. Whenever God does something in your life on a small scale, he's pointing to something on a massive scale that's happening to more than just you. So when God heals you, he's speaking to somebody else about their need for healing. So when God heals you and tells you to run on, he's doing a work in you, not just a work in you, but he wants to do a work through you. And so what you got to do, what you got to do? You got to say, man, I'm a mess. I'm, I'm, I'm in desperate need. Nothing ain't working, God. Basically, you say, God, I've tried everything and it hasn't worked tried everything. So God, I'm coming to you now because David says you want truth in the inward parts. In other words, it's not just information, it's authenticity of you admitting how messed up your inward parts are. <laughs> and, then, and then what he'll do is say, oh, you good. Come on, come on and see me. He's ready to holler at you now when you're able to admit and willing to admit that you're a mess and are in desperate need of his help. And what he'll tell you is the same as this guy here. Get up. Move towards me because I've already moved towards you. And I'll begin to strengthen you in the place of weakness that has been gone. What I like about God is even if what's messed up is your fault. Your fault. My Bible says in Joel that he will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. So in other words, he'll so bless you when he heal you that he'll act like the years leading up to it, you were healed. In other words, healing can sometimes help you to realize that you really haven't missed something and you didn't have to be scared of being healed in the first place. Because some of us are scared of being healed because we don't want to look at what we miss. But what God does is when he heals you, he makes up for what you miss. Somebody should have shouted right there. Uh, that's, that's what's good about the great God. It, it reminds me as I close, and I'm out your way. Reminds me as I close. It was, a, it was a man who saw a great historic landmark that at one time had been something in its heyday. And, and, and he, he saw it, and they were about to, they had already condemned it, and they were about to permanently remove it. 
<clears throat> and and, and he, he saw it in all its brokenness and all of the old stones and wood and all of these different pieces that had crumbled over the years. And how bad stewardship had consistently destroyed this historic structure. And when he went to see it, he took an architect. He said, I want to buy this, but I want to see what it would take to resurrect this thing. He said, this thing is a mess, bro. He said, it's pretty much condemned. <clears throat> he said, but do you know what, how much it would take on an investment side? You just got to really want this because this is worthless, even though it's historic. But do you know what it would take to resurrect this thing? And he says, how much? And he tells him this astronomical number. He said, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to put in steel cross beams throughout it to hold the structure up or it'll crumble once again. And so this man takes it and he buys it for nothing and basically takes this and invests millions upon millions of dollars in resurrecting this structure. And the wood he put in place was able to hold together old broken stuff. And where there were cracks and where there was pieces of brokenness, he had, had resealed and the brick was pointed all over again. And the structure was resurrected all over again. And people were looking, wow, look at the beauty of that structure that is held up again and being seen. And they were wondering, how in the world is this held up? And they went on the inside and saw the beams holding it together and strengthening it so the places of brokenness can now be held up. That's what the cross of Christ does for the believer is the cross of Christ rebuilds you from the ruins of your loss and takes you so that you can proclaim the excellencies of what he's done. That's why God hung him high and stretched him wide and he, and he dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders and got up on the third day so that we can have newness of life. But not just justification, but also sanctification. So that now we can continuously draw on the gospel for strength. So if somebody looks close enough at your broken life and they look behind the corridors of your structure, the, the goal is for them to see Jesus holding you together through the power and the grace of the cross of Jesus Christ.